Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. I've taken down so many clones over the years. Once you figure out one, the rest are easy. Troopers at the ready, and welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CT0831, but you can call me Hugs. And this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, Episode 8, titled Reunion. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we all get abducted by blue bounty hunters, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. First up, he's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jabba, and just as entertaining as, and, and just as good looking as Jar Jar, he's CT1231, also known as Edit. Sup, batches. What's up? <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't uh, you didn't make Do another Jar voice. Jar voice. No, that that was pretty rough last week. <laughs> it was I was like, pretty rough. I was listening. Uh, like the first, I I I got it after, but me doing yeah. the hello, it was yeah. pretty hard. I have to get into the Jar Jar by going Misa Misa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Warm up to it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and we all know Jar Jar has a voice for radio, so he's perfect on the podcast. Mm. Um, and rounding out our small battalion, we have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT1006, but you can call him Joints. Yep, that's me. <laughs> How are you troopers doing this fine evening? Nice. Good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ready to talk about this episode. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, but before we before we like blast off, uh, I want to get your high-level thoughts on the episode itself. Joints, go ahead and start us off this week. I uh, really enjoyed the episode, kind of what I expected uh, with the end of last week. So I'm no surprise there in my book, but I loved how everything played out. Very cool. Edit, what did you think? Dude, this was like this felt like part two to last week's episode, right? Like if they if this week's episode and last week's episode were one episode, that would have mm. been a great episode. Oh yeah. So, but this was this was a lot of fun. Um, some stakes have been have been raised here, if you will, and uh, you know we're at the halfway mark of this season, right? Episode eight. So this is where things are now starting to kind of turn, and I'm hoping the next eight episodes after this really do kind of adopt what Darcy was mentioning in, in an, another Watch Club episode was the snowball effect. Yes, right. You know, just that idea of of things starting to roll in. Like this is the kickoff. Maybe, Exactly. Yeah. There I feel you like go. Last That's the week best was way the to say off, it. Though, again, last week okay. was just like no, that, was that a... first little taste, and now we're getting yeah. everything else playing out. Yeah, let, we'll see how it goes. But I think that everything has been kind of like a little small punt, and like this is like the full kickoff now that this situation happened. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it seems as though we'll know when an episode is going to push the narrative forward because it starts with Crosshair on the screen. So, <laughs> uh, you know, this episode, I think for me, was actually one of the best uh, so far. We've talked about the fact that this show is going to have to really pick up soon, and I think I think with this one, it absolutely did. Uh, I think it was cinematic. Uh, the events shown really are going to shake things up um, for, I think, both Crosshair and Clone Force 99 in a way that gets me really excited to see where they take things next. But... With that said, let's break into this episode. So, 
Reunion kicks off on Kamino, where we see Crosshair inform Admiral Rampart that Clone Force 99 has been spotted by the Scrapper Guild on Bracca, following a power surge on one of the planet's wrecked Jedi cruisers. Well, the Kaminoan Prime Minister argues the value of the Bad Batch and uh, how they should be returned to Kamino alive. Rampart instructs Crosshair to terminate the troopers if he finds them on Bracca. Meanwhile, on Bracca, Wrecker is giving Omega a lesson in bomb disassembly when Echo comes to fetch them. They see they're being watched by several members of the Scrapper Guild. They go after them, stunning them into unconsciousness and bringing them back to their makeshift base on board the Jedi Cruiser, uh, where they discuss sticking around a bit longer on Bracca to gather some valuable weapons and data so they can be square with Sid. Now, in the weapon storage, they find boxes of various explosives while Tech is up on the bridge bringing the ship's power back online. Echo questions Hunter about not leaving the planet with Rex and avoiding having to repay Sid. Hunter says Rex is on a different path. And Echo responds with, we're soldiers. What other path is there? Now, on the bridge, Omega is helping Tech copy data from the system when she sees a blinking light. Tech tells her it's a proximity alert, and seconds later, they spot several Imperial shuttles flying in. Tech then calms the rest of the Bad Batch, saying, we've got company, it's the Empire. On Kamino, we get a brief scene with Nalase and Prime Minister Lama Su discussing the crucial importance of getting Omega back to Kamino, and it's revealed that, yes, the Kaminoans are the ones that hired bounty hunter Fennec Shand to capture Omega, and they're about to send another one. Okay, so that was a little long there, but what did you guys think of Omega's lesson in bomb disassembly, the collection of the valuable weapons and data, and even though now we know who the bounty hunter turned out to be, who did you think it was going to be? Uh, let's start with yourself, Justin. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I wasn't I wasn't really thinking about it. I think I thought of it more so in, in the sense of this confirms that Fennec Shan was the one that they hired to, to kind of resolve this. Um, her learning to disassemble a bomb I thought was really cool and I, I feel like these are subtle foreshadowing moments of how she's going to learn all these skills and yeah. then we're going to see her start to apply them and that I think is something we're, we're going to see throughout this this the rest of the show uh, but it's cool to see her and, and Wrecker especially falling off the heels of, of last week's episode that really had a very heartfelt connection between the two I, I don't know I thought it was just nice to see that that sort of that felt like the continuation the part two if you will of leading us in into this episode. Yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels that we'll be looking at in terms of the situations from the previous episode and this one. Um, but, you know, we've mentioned in our past episodes how the entirety uh, of kind of how, like, Omega represents the best of Clone Force 99, right? And it was cool to see her learning different lessons, whether it be from Wrecker with the bomb disassembly or when she's talking to Tech uh, and while he's gathering the data off the cruiser, he asks her to copy to the master drive. It's just, it's cool because again, it shows how she'll be able to sort of fend herself, uh, fend for herself. And I think potentially she might become the strongest clone ever. Uh, Darcy, what'd you think? Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was really cool seeing like, they're really, they're, they treat Omega as one of them, like fully, mm -hmm. like, they want her to be fully prepared for any situation she gets into. And I, I think that's really cool. Uh, like she is fully one of their brothers, even yeah. though she's a little girl type thing. Yeah, uh, they rely on her for all these things immediately. It's it's really neat. Uh, also, the bounty hunter thing again. I didn't really uh, get the again. Same with Justin. I wasn't thinking. Oh, who is it going to be? It was more like, yeah, that that's where Fennec Shan came from. I get it now. Uh, yeah. And then what that scene did for me more so was uh, 
like uh, Nala says almost reluctance like it showed on her face like she seems to care for Omega more than just a an asset basically yes definitely. she's really like a, a mother to her so I'm wondering how that's gonna play out <laughs> I, I totally agree, and I was totally wanting to mention that, but I just didn't want to butcher the name, so I'm so glad you did. But yes, <laughs> her expression looked very concerned and did not mm-hmm. like that he was hiring, like the prime minister was about to get like bounty hunters involved, right? And just what that meant for the security. So I don't know. Does Nala say know something that there's more that the prime minister doesn't know? or For sure. I mean, she was the reason that they that they escaped in the first place, right? We, we yeah, saw that in the, yes, in the that's second true. episode that is first true. episode. Um, I, I totally thought it was going to be a teenage Boba Fett. I thought it would have been so cool to see how him and Fennec like, sort of met on the same mission or something. I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I was wrong, but uh, I thought that would have been, <laughs> that been dope. Um, also, guys, those scrappers... Must have never woken up, I guess. <laughs> like they, yeah, they... that was a long, long period. Also, how did the one, like the last guy they got after Wrecker's whole hanging off the edge uh, scene where he's handling it very well, I might yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How did that one scrapper survive? He clearly fell off the edge of a starship into <laughs> abyss and like, Star Wars just, oh, magic. we got his body now. He's, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. As long as yeah. you find the body, he's okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's keep going here. Back on Bracca, Crosshair and three groups of Imperial troopers have arrived to find and destroy the Bad Batch. What ensues is a thrilling cat and mouse game with the Bad Batch trying to outsmart and outmaneuver Crosshair, who checkmates them every step of the way because, well, he's one of them. Uh, at one point, Hunter and Omega try to talk some sense into Crosshair, explaining that he's being controlled by his inhibitor chip. It doesn't do any good as Crosshair commands his troopers to aim for the kid. The climax of the episode occurs in the Jedi Cruiser's ion engine chamber as the Bad Batch slides and climbs around the massive cavern to escape Crosshair's clutches. But Crosshair again is one step ahead of them, commanding a trooper to get the engine back online while the Bad Batch is still inside. As the engine roars to life with a massive blue flame, the Bad Batch executes their plan to explode part of the chamber and fall from the ship instead of being incinerated. In the midst of the explosion, the fallen engine parts end up directing the ion flame right at Crosshair, nearly killing him. He manages to signal the trooper on the bridge to turn the engine off just in time. When the rest of the crew, when the rest of his crew arrive, they get a medic to bandage his burns and put a breathing mask on him. So, guys, what did you think of Crosshair and Clone Force 99's game of chess? Clone Force 99's teamwork to get out of this terrifying situation, and what exactly do you think was Wrecker's Plan Seven? <laughs> the chess match, as you refer to it, was probably the highlight of this whole thing. Like they Absolutely. were basically, as you described it, fighting themselves, right? Like they're they're fighting what they know of each other. Um, you know, the teamwork at the end there where they where they blow up the thing they got lucky they definitely got lucky and they definitely injured him and he kind of looks like a, a half-assed darth vader right now right, right? like he's yeah. <laughs> not full yeah. mechanic but he's got like he's got he kind of looked like a bounty hunter i feel like he i, he, I feel like the bandage or something like that oh yeah I insinuated dengar vibes when I dengar, saw him. does he become it, right? dengar yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. We know that he doesn't, but it's just like a yeah. medium. Like, no, no. Dengar. He, I'm like, oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty strange. But, um, 
you know, again, I think the the interesting part was that chess match. I think that was the highlight from that whole scene was just how they were they were going back and forth, and it just became this sort of as you described a checkmate. You know, they had the first one on the artillery deck, and then they got away. And I liked how it evolved slowly, and it just became worse and worse for them. Oh, I just like that whole scene because it's like clearly the the Clone Force ninety nine forgot that they were fight that crosshair like would know all their tactics like even he said you're so predictable like he has he had gone on multiple missions successfully as we saw uh, from wrecker's tally in the room there like he's been on multiple missions with these guys he knows all their tactics you'd think that they'd you know remember that and maybe try to think outside their usual playbook but it seems like they were just i'm surprised hunter couldn't have done that Exactly. Like Hunter, I feel like, was almost too preoccupied with getting Omega out safely that he forgot, you know. He was to, off his game. Yeah, off his game almost. It was, it was yeah. weird. Uh, I love the, I love the uh, teamwork in that, uh, in the uh, Ion engine, though. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. Seeing them use the bombs to, to break the chamber apart was another sort of uh, way to show just how well they work as a team. And then I liked how they sort of juxtaposed that with Crosshair's experience. With he's got that squad of like non clone troopers, and so you can really see that honestly, it's just Crosshair carrying that entire squad, and so like they're not working together as a team at all, and so it just shows kind of that. I love how I love how they're kind of hmm. diametrically opposed like that. It's super cool. Yeah, it seems like the it seems like the moral lesson to learn from it. You're better together than you are, you know, <laughs> for sure, one, right? Yeah, and, and it's I, true though. Yeah. It's true though. Like I think that that's exactly that's that's a great takeaway from that whole sequence. Yeah, and the ion engine chamber was dope like the sense of scale that these star cruisers have like that was massive and i loved i just got to shout out the moment when omega says i've never been in an ion chamber before and wrecker tells her it'd be weirder if you (laughs) (laughs) i was just like that is the kind of star wars writing that uh that i want in my in my animated show yeah yeah no i totally agree with you that whole scale thing there like you it's very rare that you get that sense of scale from the inside of a starship because usually it's all these tight hallways or you know these giant hangars that just seem like you know part of the exterior where this is inside the ship and you can just see how big the single engine is to that they use to move through space so that was awesome yeah. uh I think it was. I think it's interesting when we were talking about uh, how Crosshair got hit there. Uh, it seemed to be a lot on the you know, the side with the chips. So I'm wondering if this ion engine has had any effect on that. That's my one interesting. take away from that scene because it's mm. the, this right where everybody has that bandage still on in this episode because it is so fresh off the heels of the last one. Like the, clearly, those chips aren't perfect. If you know re- they were able to trigger wreckers or these theirs aren't working in the first place. So, like, what is an ion blast to the side of the head going to do to this guy? Is, is he going to maybe slowly wake up or something? I That was my main takeaway from Crosshair's injuries. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, uh, wow, I didn't even think about that. Um, but, no, this this was definitely the best part of the episode, uh, even though I think the ending was fantastic. But seeing Crosshair <laughs> predict every move that they made was was awesome. And when he was, like, when he when he literally was, like, aim for the kid, that was the moment you know he's he's truly lost and it it actually now it contextualizes why they made the Justin as you're calling it the part 1 of this episode last week's episode uh the episode about wreckers inhibitor chip going off like it kind of par- shows the parallels between those moments and how the chip you know really is in control during that scene it uh when omega mentions like remember what i was saying uh back on camino type thing there was yeah. hesitation, and like from, we know again from Wrecker's perspective that Crosshair is fully aware of what's going on. So he he's probably inside there, like hopefully the old Crosshair is is 
trying to fight back and that slight hesitation of him remembering is is the crosshair we know and love coming through like i thought that was really interesting to see that again uh, we we maybe had a bit more of a hesitation before the order overrode it again i actually have a really cool thought about that uh, but we'll get to it at the end when we uh start giving all of our our batchy thoughts. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the end of the episode here. Uh, during the explosion, the Bad Batch is separated with Omega and Hunter being the first ones back at their ship. When they arrive, they see all the Imperial troopers have been knocked out. Western standoff music starts to play. And none other than Bounty Hunter Cad Motherflippin' Bane shows up, standing in the doorway of the ship, chewing on his signature toothpick. The Duros says he's there for Omega, and uh, the Hunter-Cad Bane standoff ensues. Unfortunately, Hunter is shot in the chest plate, and Cad Bane stuns Omega, taking her with him and his droid, uh, Toto360, even though Toto360 lost a left booster, which was awesome. Uh, when the rest Bye of the booster. bad, <laughs> when the rest of the bad batch make it to the ship, Hunter wakes up, and we get to see a chaotic scene through his eyes and his helmet. As we see Wrecker shouting, "Where's Omega?" and hear Tech yelling that Hunter was shot in the chest plate and needs to be brought onto the ship. Back on the ship, Hunter sits up and tells them that a bounty hunter took Omega, saying, "We have to find her." And the episode ends. So, guys, what did you think of seeing the great Cad Bane yet again? And what do you think this means for Omega? Justin. I was excited. To me, this was the clue-in moment to the other scene on Camino. And yeah, to see him there, I was like, woo! That's nice to see him come back and uh, to see how he's, he's going to play a part in this story. So I- I'm excited to see him back in the game. He's so cool. I think Corey Burton... It just does such a wonderful job with that voice, like that that cowboy. Like he's just so good. Yeah. But like um, like alien it. cowboy, it's really yes. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I thought was awesome is like you mentioned the Western soundtrack. I immediately got Mandalorian vibes. Like mm-hmm. yes. from that first little like the two little twangs. Basically, it's like oh oh we're getting to bounty hunter situation th- territory again. And last person I was expecting to see. I know. I hope we get to see him in live action though. I oh. would love to see. Oh, that would be so cool. A portrayal. If he doesn't die. If he doesn't die, yeah. but like this that's guy, my thing. I was trying to think like when's the last time we saw Cad Bane? Well, I I don't know about the last time, but I just remember we saw him sneak into a Jedi temple. Like he stole something from the Jedi right. temple. The guy is no slouch. I I feel like he could he could get out of almost any situation you throw at him. So he's he has right. like the survivability of a cockroach in the greatest yeah. way. And that's why I love him. He's just yeah, he's I'm, so he's so much smarter than everybody else in the room, and it's great. And it'll be cool to see, you know, because obviously him and Crosshair have different opinions on what needs to happen with with Omega. So um, I think that'd be that would be a really cool moment to see the two of them. But it's funny to see Cad Bane stealing kids again because I'm pretty sure that's how he, we, we were introduced to him in Clone Wars. Yes. There was an arc where yeah. he was stealing Force sensitive younglings. Um, but I have a really interesting tidbit that I thought was kind of cool. Um, this scene was actually lifted from a partially completed animatic from Clone Wars that was scrapped uh, that I actually got to see uh, in a presentation at Star Wars Celebration Orlando in 2016, uh, where it was actually a standoff between Boba and Cad Bane. And we see kind of the exact same thing happen. The Western music plays. They both draw. And in that scene, Boba actually takes him out. He kills Cad Bane. But Cad Bane gets a shot off, hitting Boba in the head. And we learn that's where the dent in his helmet came from. So obviously, Hunter was a little slower to the draw. But I just thought it was so cool to finally see 
this moment realized cool. from uh, from a cut scene from Clone Wars, and I was uh, I was really happy. I was ha- so happy as soon as I saw it happening. I was like, neat. "Oh my gosh, that's the moment!" I thought it was uh, interesting Hunter's uh, slowness to the draw there. Like we've we saw him quick draw earlier in the season with that probe droid and instantly got where he was aiming. And I feel like again he's he's off his game. Earlier his conversation with Echo talking about like I like he's on a different path. Rex is on a different path. It, it feels yeah. it really feels like uh, Hunter is seriously considering just like settling down and raising Omega as a normal child. It's uh, it's weird. He definitely seems to want out of the game. And yes. uh, I, I'm interested to see how, you know, how he goes forward with that. Like once he realizes, cause it seems like Omega's in for the fight. So maybe once he realizes how in she is, maybe he'll swing around too. I don't know. It's, it's it was an interesting uh, to see him lose a quick draw when, again, we've seen, seen his proficiency with it already in the series. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I think also too like sets up the stakes pretty well. I think by letting him get hit, and you know, I, I really liked the sort of uh, when he comes to the sort of POV scene. That was I cool. liked how they, tr- yeah, they tried to ingrain like that that war military sort of moment. You know what I mean? Like you get shot and you're like del- the artillery you know, kind of blasts getting out of it. and all that. Yeah, 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 and everything and the echoing and the sort of sound and how everything was designed. It it felt very of war. They, I get what they were trying to go for. With that yeah. sequence, yeah, he's got to be taking like Cad Bane's got to be taking Omega to Camino, right? Like, do you yes. think? Yeah, do you think he has any ulterior? Going. Because, but he, but we know, we know that he's a double crosser. He doesn't. He works for himself mostly. Do you think he's actually gonna, you know, follow what the Caminoans are asking him to do? Well, right now, the the only other people I can see wanting the clones is the Empire, and we already know that they'd rather have them dead. Basically, that's what mm. they've already mm. said yeah. that and made that explicit. So. There's no other buyer on the market for Cad Bane, so I feel like he's going to go to the sure payday. Because again, like I'm, we haven't seen anyone else in the series to thus far that had, knows of Omega's presence and would be interested enough to, you know, overpay the Kaminoans. So, right. uh, mm. so that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's definitely going straight back there. So it's if uh, Hunter and the guys manage to put that together, like, do they know who the bounty, who said the bounty hunters type thing? Right. Right. Mm. I mean, I, it would be interesting to see him and Fennec Shand fight as well, you know, mm-hmm. over the bounty, right? Clearly, um, you know, we're, that's not the last that we've seen of that character. So, And lastly, I'm super intrigued to see uh, Toto 360 with his red leg in the next episode. I'm sure he'll have, <laughs> sure he'll have a red leg for some reason, and there'll be yeah. a comic about it. Um, yeah, he'll, guys, he'll rescue some other droids and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Take one of their legs as a memory. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, guys, wrapping up the plot on this one, I want to know, what are your overall thoughts and final score uh, for this episode? Which, for this episode, we'll be rating it on a scale of one to five resurrected ion engines. Uh, joints, we'll start with you. Uh, again, really like this episode. I felt really good. I, again, I was expecting something like this after the end of last episode because of, you know, the, the ominous call to the empire, you know, that crosshair would be picking up on that and coming down. So I thought it was really cool to see how that played out again with the, him, you know, using the tactics against the bad batch and, you know, trapping them to such an extent where he didn't know what was going to happen and get blasted in the face. So I thought it was a really cool setup. Also, it was really cool to see Cad Bane come back in a way I never expected. So I'm definitely going to have to give this a, a higher score. I think it's probably, you know, 4.5 again. I think I gave that to the first episode, and it's definitely right up there in terms of how much and how cinematic it felt. Uh, mm, so, yeah, yeah, 4.5 out of 5 resurrected ion engines for me. Very cool. Awesome. Justin? 
Yeah, I think this episode felt like a very good continuation from last week's episode. I feel like it kind of tossed the ball in the air last week's episode, and this one fully kicked it out. You know, to see Crosshair return, to see how this sort of checkmate, cat and mouse sort of episode kind of unfolded, and you added this reveal of Cad Bane in in the Bad Batch world. Yeah, I I would give it a higher score as well. I think I'm going to probably come in at 4.5 out of 5 resurrected ion engines very cool very cool yeah um yeah this episode had great pacing uh large scale moments yeah fantastic yeah. moments showing these characters cinematic working together too, guys very cinematic i loved uh i loved how it ended on a cliffhanger uh and i love how it, it does it sets up the next arc for this series seeing cad bane yeah. was the last thing i expected so i was really happy when we got him on the show uh crosshair was excellent yet again in in every time we see him on screen um, I th- honestly think he might turn out to be one of the best parts of this series, uh, just because every time we see him, he keeps getting more and more uh, sort of you know uh, terrifying and and uh, epic. Um, but uh, I will also say, like he does seem to elevate and add a sense of drama uh, that I think really helps to balance out the comedic tones of this animated kids show. Uh, this was the first episode since episode two that I thought really stood up on its own and lives to the similar quality of what we got in the tail end of season seven uh, of the Clone Wars. So I really enjoyed this episode. I was going to give it a four, but you guys convinced me. You convinced me. You batches convinced me to move it up to 4.5 out of five resurrected ion engines. That last one there was chopped in half by uh, Clone Force 99. So it's only a 4.5, but... uh, but yeah, um, that is it for our uh, our review. Um, of course, we like to end every episode um, just by talking about what we think is going to happen in the next episode. So I got to ask, what's going to happen, batches? <laughs> well, I've already you know I've already said some of the stuff that I think is kind of going to be playing out uh, from the end of this. So uh, I don't know where what else I'd say. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the biggest thing with this is that like you described it perfectly, Nate. It's it's a new arch. So yeah. it's like it's setting up something new and they've just opened a whole bunch of doors of possibilities with the fact that, you know, they've they've been separated from Omega and now Cad Bane's in, involved and there's more of a a sort of hustle to try to get Omega back. There's just so many possibilities right now and I think we've spit we spitball some some decent ideas, but do you got anything back? I I do. Mm-hmm. I you do. You got something to batch listen, about? Ba- okay, listen, let's, batches. let's hear it. Let's hear yes, it. Bring I just, it to the table. I need to give it to you straight here. So, okay. uh, number 1, just really quick, I think Toto 360 and Omega Omega are absolutely going to be front come friends, 100%. Uh, that's just going to happen because they're so cute. Um, but, you know, this episode, we see Crosshair truly lost. And he's, he's you know, he's just so ready to follow orders and take out his brothers. So because of that, I know, Darcy, you were saying that that blast from the ion engine might have affected his inhibitor chip. But I have a theory that I think goes in a different direction. I think it would be crazy if we learned that this entire time, Crosshair didn't even have his chip at all. And he's just been doing all this stuff because he's, you know, he needs to be a soldier. He knows that Hunter is going to lead the group away from the soldier life. And this is him just kind of saying, no, no, no. Hunter is so wrong that that he thinks that they can be anything but soldiers. Uh, and I think this is going to kind of become a, a through point for him. And I just, I think that would be an epic twist. And that's my... <laughs> That's my my out there prediction as to where they're taking Crosshair's character. So so uh, just just for clarity, yeah, we know that he has he has an inhibitor chip in his head, right? Because we we've seen it in 
I think it was the first episode or second episode. I think it was the first episode when they yeah. activated him, right? Yeah, like they, 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 they strengthened it, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, so they, so we know that it's in. I'm there just saying, what if it's, what if he's found a way to remove it? What if, what if the clones? What if we find like a side story where the non-clone troopers help him with that or something? I don't know, man. I just think that there's something going on where you know, we're going to kind of see an even greater descent of that character. I don't think he's going to be redeemed. I don't know. I'm uh, again, I'm, I'm on team redeem. Uh, just because, uh, <laughs> like the whole, the whole premise of the series is family and stuff like that. And they always, the, the no man left Batch. behind hunter, uh, yeah. the, the no man left behind mentality. The hunter always is, is so strongly like pushing forward. And like the rest of clone force 99 is, is pushing forward too, with their exception of Omega. It seems like it'd be really, like odd for them to have set up all this like you know redemption families yeah, 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 stronger true, than anything else true, yeah. to immediately yeah. throw that out the window and be like he does not ha- consider them family anymore because like we saw that he does still consider them family especially in the earlier episodes when he's going back to the room and he's looking around seeing all the bunks filled by the the normies now and uh he's he's clearly misses his family he had a good time with them despite you know not getting yeah, on the record because he's so childish or thinking Hunter isn't, you know, always making the best decisions. He still considered them family. And mm. again, that that little the moment of hesitation when Omega was talking to him and making him remember how she already knew that it wasn't his choice. He was forced to do that. Like he he is open to redemption. It's just I feel like that chip is too strong. Like he's got his orders are to shoot too. That's another thing. He has orders to kill them from Rampart. So like because of that chip, he's got to follow his orders. Mm. So, like, he has no choice but to do that with that chip, like, blaring in his head. So, I was surprised to see him say, pull the trigger. But it was the hesitation before that that I think spoke more than his actual uh, declaration. Mm, interesting. I think right now, especially after everything we've seen in this episode, my biggest question is, what is up with Omega? What is so special with her? We've already gone through eight episodes. They already kind of hinted at it. We've kind of forgot about it. But clearly now, Kevin Owens have a bounty hunter on them. They want something. They want their property back, and they're more concerned about her than they are about the Clone Force 99. So what is it? <laughs> and clearly there's something that Nala Say knows that Lama Sue doesn't. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Uh, But that is it for the eighth episode of our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. Um, Are you also on Team Redeem? Or, uh, or, or uh, you know, do you want to write into the show and let us know your thoughts or predictions uh, on the shows we cover on Watch Club? You can do that. And listen, you don't have to wear a cowboy hat, chew on a toothpick, and steal a child. Instead, Justin, can you let our listeners know how they can reach us? Well, to be honest with you, the cowboy hat and the chewing on the straw is totally fine. Stealing children, no, for sure. <laughs> but... You can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Very nice. Very uh, epic at the end there. Was, that was nice. Yeah, slow. Slow-mo. <laughs> Keep in mind, we have our other Watch Club happening right now for Marvel's Loki. Darcy, Ooh. did you get a chance to catch that second episode? Oh, yes, and I have so many things to talk about. I can't wait till the episode where I get to... Bring all yeah. my comic book knowledge to the forefront. So, Amazing. Oh. I'm stoked for that as well. We're going to have you yeah. on as a guest. Um, maybe maybe we bring you on for the finale. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll it talk. Out. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah we'll talk we'll about talk. it. I have so many predictions, and I just I love where Loki seems to be setting, how it seems to be setting the stage for 
Marvel going forward, and I, I cannot wait to see how it plays out. Very cool. I'm also really excited to mention uh, that we also have our review, both our spoiler-free preview review and our spoiler-filled review of Pixar's latest heartwarming adventure, Luca, uh, which is out now. Uh, Darcy, I know we were talking off air. You're stoked to be watching that uh, mm-hmm, right after mm-hmm. this, right? Yep, yep. I'm a huge, I love Coco. I love anything Pixar, so I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, a trip through Italy. Very nice. Cool. Well, listen, make sure you listen to that and leave a five-star review so we can keep making some great content. Justin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, good Good soldiers soldiers follow follow orders. orders.